Hello, hello. Welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I have a lot to share. The goal, getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. This is episode 11 entitled Teenagers. I mentioned in the previous episode how two of my least favorite seasons of motherhood are the toddler and the teenage years. There's something about those ages and stages that gave me the most gray hair. I did my best praying and journaling through those seasons and well, I made it through the toddler stage with each of my five children. I've been through the teenage years with my son, Micaiah. And let me tell you, me and hubby and my son, we all grew. (laughs) We all matured through those brief years of time. And I want to share some of the pearls we gleaned from that season. I'm 100% sure it's it'll be different with my daughters when they hit those years. But I'm confident it'll hit different. (laughs) pineapple before we jump into that segment of the podcast let's jump into some ac pearls ac pearls first samuel 18 9 to 16 samuel looked at david with suspicion from that day on now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from god came mightily upon saul and he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual. And a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurtled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his, from his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David for the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and appointed him as his commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. David was prospering, prospering in all his ways for the Lord God, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David and he went out and came in before them. Jealousy, anger, pride, frustration. These are emotions that we not only have to teach our children to identify, understand, navigate, and when necessary, redirect, but there is a character trait in this passage that I believe is important to highlight in the context of of, of a parent and child relationship. And that character trait is entitlement. Saul was the king of Israel. David was the anointed future king of Israel. Now, God, God's, God's spirit had left Saul because of his disobedience. Saul was tormented with evil spirits that made him lash out at David. He was jealous. He was angry and most likely bitter towards David, a younger, more capable and beloved king to his people. His son was best friends with David. 
Saul's daughter was loyal to David over Saul. The people celebrated David more and there were men in King Saul's army that were willing to defy the sitting king of Israel, be exiled and die for the future king. If you're familiar with this story, where do you think it all went wrong for Saul? With his jealousy over David? With his disobedience in Gilgal in 1 Samuel chapter 13? I believe it was, it was a collective. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 8, after all God had brought Israel through, God had delivered them from slavery out of Egypt. Uh, he gave them inheritance. He fought their battles. They watched God time and time again protect, provide, and deliver their enemies into their hands with little to no effort from Israel. And yet, Israel wanted a king with a little K. <laughs> they traded God's perfect provision for, for an earthly king. God even informed them that by asking for an earthly king, what it would cost them. An earthly king would take their sons, take their daughters, take their servants, their chariots, their fields, and they would levy taxes on them. He, God wanted the people to make an informed decision, so he spelled it out for them. And what did they choose? A monarch over the king of kings. What happened? Their first monarch did everything that God said that he would do. King Saul disobeyed God and was subsequently tortured with evil spirits and made David, the future king of Israel, have to flee for his life for, for years. And all the things that God said that um, uh, a, a king, little K, would do to the people, he did just that. What does this have to do with teenagers? Before we put ourselves in the shoes of a teenager, let's first reflect on God's original design for us as his creation. We have these titles in our families, patriarch, matriarch, the heads of our family. God warned a whole nation about what it would mean if we allowed sinful fallen man to act as little K king in place of the king of kings. He spells it out for, for us. And, and none of it sounds good, by the way, <laughs> none of it sounded good. And they chose wrong and everything God said would happen, happened. Here's the AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. We can draw several applications from 1 Samuel and reframe how we treat the hierarchy in family. <laughs> Pineapple. God's design for family and a nation is always superior to, er to anything that we can think of for our family. We have the propensity to fail miserably at marriage, parenting, and keeping the family unit together. God has given us plenty of instructions and warnings so we don't make the same mistakes as the many, many examples spelled out in the Bible. God loves us and wants us to thrive in our relationships with him and with each other if we only have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to obey. AC Talk. The year my son turned 13, it was like he morphed into a different person. Full transparency, I did not like that 13-year-old version of Micaiah. 
I, I just, I didn't recognize him and I didn't like him. He had literally lost his mind and we, we just couldn't find it. I mean, hubby and I looked everywhere for it and it was just gone. Micaiah just left the building. Um, Micaiah would probably laugh at me today and say, yeah, mom, I don't blame you. I was a jerk. Uh, those years had me questioning my life choices. And however hard it was, I'm, I'm grateful for those years because I'm more confident <laughs> and prepared for my daughters when they hit that season, courtesy of Micaiah. That's, that, that's how challenging it was. I have three AC pearls for the teenage years. Be intentional. Remember that you were a teenager once before and build the respect. There's no particular order. I'm going to address these three points because they're kind of interconnected. So let's just jump right into it. For starters, it didn't happen overnight. It's taken years, y'all. I'm talking about years of intentionality. Like most parents, hubby and I went through the painfully annoying teenage phase, prayerfully trying not to catch a case <laughs> each time he acted out of character. I'm talking about stealing, fighting, lying, you know, typical teenage stuff. Nothing out of the ordinary, but definitely disrespectful and a path that can quickly lead to other things. For hubby and I, we knew respect had to be at the core of the parent-child relationship for us to make it through the teenage years. We had to maintain a level of age-appropriate respect as our, our son got older. Why respect? For us, we, we jumped forward to what kind of relationship we wanted with our son when he was 25, 30, and 40 and thought, hmm, what do we need to do now, today, as early as possible to prioritize each year as he got older in order to achieve this outcome that we were envisioning for the type of relationship we wanted for our son? Do you hear the, the, the investment language that I'm using? I want you to peep that, okay? For us, respect was huge, not only so we could maintain a healthy relationship with our son, but also to make it a standard for his future relationships. Hubby and I knew whatever guidance or encouragement we offered would only seep through his thick skull if, if we were intentional about in, instilling and maintaining respect at the core of our relationship. I love how I keep saying respect. Bats. I sound, I sound like my grandmother. <laughs> Respects. Put some respect on my name. Uh, yes, even when he was disrespectful, arrogant, rude, thoughtless, we still made it a point to be intentional in fostering respect verbally and non-verbally with him. Parents, our children are not dumb. And I mentioned the same thing with, with uh, the toddler episode in the previous episode. They may not be able to articulate how mom and dad, auntie, uncle, or grandparents talk down to them, condescend or treat them poorly, or make stank faces at them, or kind of dismiss them. But they know when a parent or caretaker has zero respect for them, or the relationship for that matter. Here's the thing. Teenagers are going to test boundaries. They're going to do that. They're, they're growing up. They're maturing. They're little, little mini yous, you know, um, and they're going to take you through some things. You don't want them to have a chip on their shoulder 
when they do, when they go through those teenage years. Respect has to go both ways. Hobby and I hope that if we held on tight to our resolve to maintain that respect at the core of our relationships and our, our interactions with Micaiah, the investment in the relationship would mature with age. Aw, pineapple. And it did in ways that we could have never imagined. I mean, when he turned 20, we thought we hit the lottery. It was like we got on, we got on his level and met him where he was every single time he goofed up. We put ourselves in his shoes when he made seemingly idiotic decisions and thought back on when we were his age. Um, I'd often ask myself, what was I trying to communicate to my mother when I acted out in this way? What did I wish I had the courage to talk to my father about when I was 16? If Micaiah was behaving out of character as a teenager, he would always surprise me when I would ask him, Hey, are you behaving like this because of X, Y, Z? Just remembering how I misbehaved similarly at that age. And that brother had no problem telling me the truth about how he felt. And I never got angry with him for having the guts to speak up for himself and give it to me straight. That's respect. In my book, A.C. Pearls, Writing a Legacy, I describe the day when after a week of refusing to do laundry, I had to meet Micaiah wherever he lost his everlasting mind <laughs> and refusing to obey me and, and, and just help him get back on track. The day was rough for both of us, um, but a pearl formed, formed out of that, that whole laundry room situation. And taking the time to reach the aha moments, the epiphanies, the, the mind-blowing revelations, and the breakthroughs with my teenager were the pearls I'm definitely saving for my daughters. Respect your children at all ages. Start early and be intentional. Have you ever heard the term, a child should stay in a child's place? Do as I say, not as I do. Well, I've seen parents disrespect and treat their adult children like adolescents and then wonder why they don't grow up. They never grow up. Heck, I know 30 and 40 year old men and women whose parents demand respect that they're not willing to give an ounce of respect in return. In some cases, eating humble pie and admitting where we missed the mark, a.k.a. hey, son, I snapped at you earlier out of frustration. I definitely could have been more patient with you. I was out of character and I apologize for that. It doesn't mean you're apologizing for being a parent. It doesn't mean that you turn to a doormat. It doesn't mean that you give your child the upper hand. It does mean you're in a relationship with them and you're giving that mutual respect because you're raising a human being that you want to give that respect and receive that same respect in return. It does mean you're taking ownership of the ungodly, unwise, unkind, fill in the blank parenting moment that you don't want your teenager to mimic or, and you don't want to be on the receiving end of that behavior when you're six foot two son is towering over you and you're old and frail. <laughs> I can't think of a worse fate for myself as a parent than to be 80 years old and not, not having a positive, healthy, and productive relationship with my children and my grandchildren. 
that would be just pure torture for me. If I got to eat humble pie so that I'm not alienated from my children in old age, humble pie is about to be my new favorite dessert. Which, let's be honest, admitting when you're wrong as a parent is not eating humble pie. It's simply admitting that you're wrong, apologizing and moving forward. That's it. It is not a, a swallowing your pride type of thing. It's being human because humans make mistakes and modeling. I am a human <laughs> in front of your children and modeling up. Oh, I goofed up and just letting your children know you're not on some pedestal and you're not above them. in, in that respect, really mom pineapple. I'm not talking about being a doormat, so let's not get sensitive, parents. I'm talking about leading, leading the relationship in the way that it should go. We talked about, remember the previous episode on toddlers with tantrums? Jeremiah 31, 21 says, stay, set up road markers for yourself. Place guideposts for yourself. Direct your mind to the highway, the, the way by which you went. I'm sure you've gone down a path that didn't work out that great or you you just chose wrong. Learn a better way. Choose differently and set up road markers for and guideposts for yourself. That's what being intentional looks like. Having the mutual respect from an early age is an excellent way to model for them what healthy reconciliation looks like. It's an example for our children on how to put Put your pride aside for the betterment of the relationship, for the longevity of the relationship. So you have fallouts and misunderstandings fewer and you make up quicker. Take, take accountability for your part in the chaos because guess what? It takes two to tango and we mess up as parents. If you have a tumultuous relationship with your child, if there's chaos and confusion and weirdness and awkwardness, guess what? It takes two to tango. It takes two to participate in that and create that. Last time I checked, none of us were perfect. We're, we're not perfect beings. So by default, we're going to make mistakes, miss the mark, blow up, and have to apologize from time to time. Now, if your children are 18 years old and under and you can't remember the last time you've apologized for something you did wrong, that's a telltale sign that the respect and relationship is off balance. I mean, if you have an excellent relationship and, and you're not dealing with a troublesome teenager, God bless you. I'm not talking to you. Congratulations, parent. You did it. I'm, I'm very, very happy for you. But if, if you have a child that works your nerves and really tests your patience, chances are, all parties have missed the mark from time to time. And that reconciliation piece, that apology piece that, hey, let's address this, this space between us that just is not feeling right. It, it's, not, it's not being addressed. If your child comes to you the majority of the time to reconcile a dispute, um, a misunderstanding, a blow up or fallout in, in your relationship, and all you give them is your behind to kiss. Don't don't wonder why the relationship is fractured, broken, or distant, and awkward, and weird, or even non-existent in the future. Don't even worry about that. You already know, and it's clear you don't 
you don't like the sound or taste of humble pie. Understood. Cool. But don't don't question later on in life, well, what happened and everything was going great. Don't do that. This is one thing I did not want to happen with our children. So hubby and I are intentional to own our part in the chaos, give age appropriate respect and treat our children like the young men and women that we're raising and model healthy reconciliation for them. So they know what to expect the next time we have a dispute or we don't, we're not seeing eye to eye. It's going to happen. And prayerfully, when they get married and have children of their own, and we have, um, I'm praying for their future spouses that we all have a wonderful relationship. I mean, the kind of relationships where we can take vacations together and go exploring together, and there's not going to be bickering and fighting over the grandbabies. No, I don't want that. So everything that hubby and I are doing now, it's to put us on a trajectory to have the type of relationship that I'm dreaming about with my children and grandchildren and, and my future in-laws. As a side note, I know teenagers love that tick for tack back and forth banter when we challenge them on their behavior. Sometimes it's just like they got to have the last word. They got to sneak in a little low blow um, comment or whatever. Teenagers do that. That type of rhetoric, can quickly turn into unhealthy, toxic, and manipulative character traits. What that looks like is an adult that doesn't know how to take constructive criticism. They don't know how to own a character flaw or is constantly on defense when all you're trying to do is address an attitude. In our home, we redirect what could potentially become toxic behavior into positive negotiation skills. If Micaiah couldn't articulate and or justify his behavior in a positive way, there was no need for an argument. No, no petty mind games, none of that. We didn't engage in that type of back and forth banter. If he was wrong, we taught him to own it before the conversation could continue in a, in a positive way in a constructive way, even if he had to chew on it for a few days and come back to us to continue the conversation, we gave him the space to do that. Now, if he could call out, if he can call out me and dad on our parenting mistake and our part in the chaos, as well as his own, we would be proud of him. Sure, it pinched the ego a little bit <laughs> for us as parents because, let's be honest, no one likes to be called out. But we applauded him for having the courage to call out something he noticed as an, an unjust scale. In the context of parenting, that means I'm holding you to a different standard than I hold myself. I'm expecting something from you that I'm not willing to model for you. I, I, I'm not doing it myself. It's a difference on, 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 an, on an accountability scale. And that goes back to do as I say, not as I do. And in a child's mind or in a young adult's mind, you'll say you have a 16-year-old who, you know, they're almost at adulthood. They're going to look at you like, wow, you're expecting something of me that you haven't done yourself or you're not even trying to do yourself. You're expecting something differently from me for my good, but you don't even want it for yourself. How is that desirable? It's an unjust scale. 
God says differing weights and differing measures are an abomination to him. Um, This whole week, I've been going through my Proverbs and I've been um, putting a rectangle around the word abomination and, and, and throughout the Proverbs. Every time God says something was an abomination, I would put a rectangle around it and highlight it in purple. And then I went back and looked at all the times God said something was abominable. And you know what? Most of the things that God just calls abominable is something that is just off balance and unjust. A you know, um picture like Lady Justice is holding a scale, you know, the old school scale and and it's just off balance. God hates that. And and uh perversity he hates and some other things, but primarily things that are not balanced. You know? Uh guess what? Our children are created in God's image. So they're naturally going to have a bad taste in their mouth if something in the household is off balance. I remember my twin brother, God bless him. My twin brother was a hundred percent about fairness. And he just had this thing where if something was off balance or not fair or, Hey, you did this for this person, but not for that person. He, he would not let it go until he got to the bottom of the reasoning behind why it is off balance. And you had, you had better been like prepared to justify, you know, Hey, I gave this child ice cream, but not that child, <laughs> something as simple as that. And I remember just thinking, dang, that he ain't gonna let that one go. But in hindsight, I understand now that's how God designed us. We don't like things that aren't fair. Now I know with teenagers, sometimes teenagers will say, Oh, that's not fair. You know, and then we got to go parent mode and say, well, you know what? Life's not fair. (laughs) You know, I pay bills and all you got to do is maintain your grades and you're giving me attitude. That ain't fair. So parents, Again, don't get sensitive on me. I'm not here to jump too far deep into the nuances of teenagers and and all that. But I am saying, in general, a balanced weight in the household is a good thing. And most of the time with our children's behavior, with teenagers that they're growing up and they're kind of, um, we're nurturing them into the men and women that we want them to be, they just want to see balance. And naturally, We want to see balance also. So let's just try to model that for them. So by extension, um, their future relationships, their work relationships, their intimate relationships, if we foster that, that desire to, um, for balance in our household, they're going to desire that in their future relationships and at work in the workplace and with their future spouses and with their children. You know, that's what we want to foster. That's what we want them to to kind of continue on. If Micaiah calls out, calls us out on something, me and Dada, if Micaiah can call out something that's unjust as a parent, we didn't fight him on it. And uh, we didn't make him feel bad for spitting truth. That was the iron that we were ready to help him sharpen as parents. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. I'm telling you, parents, Get into your word, read a proverb a day, every month, it'll transform your perspective. You can't say children don't come with an instruction manual because they do maintain age appropriate respect. Iron sharpens 
iron. If we want our children to be strong, capable men and women, we have to be strong and capable parents to teach them how to do so. Be intentional. Start early. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. It ain't all about them. (laughs) Remember, God isn't done with us as parents and grandparents. Just because you raised your children, it doesn't mean you're done. Don't stop sharpening your iron, parents. Your children still need you. Your grandchildren still need you. Get in tune with them in every season of life. Remember what you went through when you were a teenager, that 20-something-year-old, that wife, that husband, um, that, that man or woman who maybe you've gone through a divorce situation. Maybe you've experienced loss and grief. Maybe um, you have multiples at home. Maybe you have none at home. There's no relief. There's no break from the daily grind of family. They are learning to navigate hormones, growing pains, disappointments, um, the, the ab and flows of marriage, all of the above. Sure, you're tired. You want a break. You raise your family. You just want to go on a world vacation. I know I do. <laughs> when, I, when I become an empty nester, that's the first thing I'm going to do. But your job is not over. God's not done with you, and God's not done using you to grow your family. So you take your break, all right? Get your woosaw, have a party when, when your last baby is grown and gone. Do whatever you need to do, but then get back at it. Because I, all, I understand how, how easy it can be to leave our children to wander and navigate life alone with no guidepost. No standard of measure or, or a reference because we're tired and we checked out. So when I say it's not all about them, I'm saying that you still have an active part in continuing to nurture and, 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 and coach them through life. Okay. So as a parent, you're not done as a grandparent, you're not done. (laughs) The apostle Paul wrote in Galatians six, two, he said, we should share in each other's burdens share not use each other like a crutch not lean on each other to where you become an overburden and you're not doing the work yourself share in the investment called family further down in Galatians 6 9 the apostle Paul says let's not become discouraged in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. So I just want to leave you with that encouragement. And we got to pray for our toddlers, (laughs) pray for our teens and pray for our own strength because the work is not done. Our children need us parents, grandparents. They still need you. Auntie, uncle, little cousin, big bro, little sister, all the above the family unit we need each other okay let's start being there for each other all 
All right, that concludes the conversation for today. I trust the podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle. Stop by my IG and Facebook page at ACS Visions. Show me some love, share your comments on the episode and how this podcast is encouraging you. You can also visit my website at www.acsvisions.com. You'll find a link to send me an email if you'd like to show your support that way. As a reminder, episodes are published every Thursday. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you get notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.